0: Mitch Harper.
1: Good afternoon Cougar Nation and welcome to a new edition of the Cougar Tracks podcast on KSL I'm your BYU insider Mitch Harper. It's Friday, July 29th. Here's the roadmap for today's show. Got a one-on-one conversation that I'm going to play with BYU offensive line coach Daryl Funk. Could this BYU offensive line be the best O line in the country? That's something they're striving for. I'll get my I'll share my conversation with Coach Daryl Funk. Also on today's podcast, Pac 12 Commissioner George Kleevkov calls out the Big 12. Ooh, this is gonna get juicy. The battle for third. Rages on. <laughs> Catch a grenade for ya, George K. Saying that the Big Twelve is throwing grenades at the Pac-12. You can follow me on Twitter at mitch underscore harper. Follow KSL Sports on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Everywhere in between. This show airs Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at high noon on the KSL Sports Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube pages. We'll start off with George K. Pac-12 Media Day is taking place today. We've got a lot of coverage with the KSL Sports Zone, kslsports.com, all down there in California. I feel like I'm a lone wolf out here in Utah because everyone else is in California. But there was some juicy stuff that tied in to the Big 12 and, and BYU and all that and conference realignment. George Klievkoff, not happy about Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark, basically saying the Big 12 is open for business. He did not like that one bit. And you can see that in his commentary during his state of the program address in the Pac-12 Uh Klyavkov addressed the media today, and he's not happy, clearly. I mean, and I get it. You just lost USC and UCLA. He's not thrilled about the current situation for his league. But he took offense to that open for business remark from your mark, and he was asked a question that said, quote, the question was this, George, you say that you haven't determined whether you're going to go shopping in the Big 12 or not. You don't hear something like that often from a commissioner saying they might target another conference's schools. Usually it's the other way around. One, has anybody, any members of the Big 12 reached out to you about potentially joining the Pac-12? Secondly, you talk about being collegial. Do you think the days of trying to be collegial when it comes to expansion are over? Quote, George Klyavkov responds, quote, I hope they're not over, but they're certainly harmed that remark was a reflection of the fact that I've been spending four weeks trying to defend against grenades that have been lobbed in from every corner of the Big 12 trying to destabilize our remaining conference. I understand why they're doing it. When you look at the relative media value between the two conferences, I get it. I get why they're scared, why they're trying to destabilize it. I was just tired of that. That's probably not the most collegial thing I've ever said, In quote. Shots fired. Pac-12, Big 12 are not going to have any sort of alliance in the near future, and that's okay. The battle to be the third-best league is going to rage on. And I still believe, despite Klyavkov's shots at the Big 12, Big 12's got the upper hand. Big 12's got stability. Everyone in the Pac-12 conference is ready to leave at a moment's notice. I I still think people, when they say, you know, the Big 12 wouldn't leave – Anyone that would get an invite to the SEC or Big Ten would leave. Heck, BYU would bounce today if they got an invite to the SEC. That's just the nature of this world. That's that's how it goes. But because the Big 12 members really are not the, the wanted targets, and quite frankly, no one left over in the Pac-10 is that desirable either outside of maybe Oregon and Washington, and they're good brands. No good doubt about it. Washington's brand's legit. There's not much else that's necessarily wanted by the Big Ten and SEC, Stanford and Cal, because of the academics. Okay. Klyavkov taking that shot. It's juicy. I still think the Big 12's got the upper hand, though, because their fan bases care about college sports. They're going to show up to the games. They're going to watch the games, and they'll pay for streaming services. Hey, if an NBC wants to have independent Notre Dame in their typical time slot, but then have a 10 a.m. Big 12 game, maybe a 5 p.m. Big 12 game, or throw something on Peacock, Big 12 fans are going to pay for that on Peacock. Will Pac-12 fans do so? Yeah, Stanford and Cal got the academia. They have no fans. They've got none. So try to point to me how this is going to work. And that's the thing, too, is that I feel like a school like Arizona... They see the writing on the wall with this league in the Pac-12. The money's not going to be great. It's going to be very similar to what the Big 12 makes. Why would you not want to go to the Big 12 where it's a little bit more stable and you've actually got fan support and there's room to grow? Is the Pac-12 going to get better from where it's currently constructed? You don't have many expansion options. There's not a BYU. There's not a UCF Houston waiting in the wings. There's none of that. Unless they feel like they can poach the Big 12 and, hey, tables have turned, crazier things have happened in realignment, but it just seems unlikely. And it seems like maybe Fox is going to still be a potential partner with the Big 12, with the knowledge that Brett Yormark has with Fox. But I just think Klievkov is, is very frustrated with the narrative. The thing is, though, I will say, he can't be all that frustrated because there's been a lot of people going to bat and going to support the Pac-12. I mean, there's been articles of college football fans, you should be cheering for the Pac-12 to survive. That was not the case for the Big 12 last year. No one was saying, let's hope the Big 12 survives. I think a lot of college football national media were ready to write that league off completely. The Pac-12 has had a lot more advocates than the Big 12 ever had last year after they lost Texas and Oklahoma. So don't forget that. I don't think it's, woe is me. This is a cutthroat deal. And, you know, what's interesting in all this is where are the the bombs, the grenades, or the shade being thrown at the Big 10? Kevin Warren, the man that allegedly looked you in the eye with the Alliance and said they're going to be... In lockstep together to counter the big bad mighty SEC, he then takes down your league. Where are the shots at them? (laughs) I just, I I think Klaevkov is a good commissioner. He was dealt a terrible hand. You know, Tom Hansen back in the day, Larry Scott, the Pac-10, the Pac-12 has always been reactionary. It always has. I think people get caught up in the Larry Scott stuff because it was excessive and it was so out there in the forefront, but even with Tom Hansen, the old commissioner before Scott, they were a slow moving league. I mean, they were the conference that wouldn't allow a a conference logo on the field or on the uniforms, just these dumb things that they wouldn't do back in the, in the pack. They've set their set up their own grave. And now you've lost fans. The West coast is basically obsolete when it comes to big time college football. And you've lost the LA market. I still think Oregon and Washington, and to a lesser extent, Utah, can carry the on-field product, but I think that the Pac-12 does not have the fan support, and I think the fan interest in that league is going to decrease even more when you don't have USC and UCLA, whereas again, I've said this all along with the Big 12, all of these schools and all these fan bases, I think, are thrilled to get out of the shadows of Texas and Oklahoma. They can reinvent themselves. They can be something more. And then you pair it up with the fact that they're in markets where they don't have pro sports. It's these small towns. Look, Waco, it's tiny. It's Magnolia. It's all about college sports. Stillwater, all about college sports. The Little Apple, Manhattan, Kansas. It's all about college sports. That's what they care about. And that's quite frankly what the Big 12 cares about is college sports. I think that's a good thing. Whereas the Pac-12, all of the markets they are in, the teams in those markets that are within the Pac-12 footprint are at best the second biggest show in town, and that might be stretching it. But interesting commentary, nonetheless, from George Klevkoff at Pac-12 Media Day, taking shots at the Big 12. There won't be an alliance anytime soon between those two leagues and the fight to be the third best league in college sports is... Going to continue to ramp up over the weeks, months, years. We'll see how it all plays out.
0: I'm Dave Cawley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.
1: We'll also see how BYU football plays out next week. Fall camp. Camp Kalani gets started. August 4th is the first day of practice. Players report to camp on August 3rd, and one of the positions that's a strength for this 2022 BYU football team is the offensive line and coaching that unit is BYU offensive line coach Daryl Funk here's my conversation with the second year O-line coach Daryl Funk here on the Cougar Tracks podcast what's maybe been the work since spring ball
0: well we had a really good spring and then you know they had some time off get ready for finals I mean that was all good they've Pretty much went right into the weight room. They've made big gains since then. Not just the linemen, but, you know, the whole team. And then, you know, they've been on and off the, the different cycles of the summer and, and that. I and mean, then now we're starting to get back to some player run practices and some workouts for us. So. They just continue, my group just continues to make progress every time. Now, this is the first year in a few years that we were out on the road, so I was out on the road, didn't see any of them for three, three and a half weeks. I came back and was kind of anxious about that to just kind of reconnect, but uh, they've been doing a real good job uh, to start the summer.
1: From what you've heard, maybe from the strength coaches, what, if, uh, what maybe gives you belief that they could maybe be that best offensive line in the country as you were talking about in spring?
0: Well, the reports from the strength coaches are good, and I stay in touch with Newton and the guys closely on those guys. You know, there actually are a, a few options this year that haven't been available that we can be around them a little bit and do a little bit of work, uh, which I've seen them kind of live and up person. Uh, they've allowed us to do that a little bit this year. So that's been not very much, but a little bit. But, you know, I just I just see the kids are, are looking good. You know, this time of year they gain a little bit of weight as they add strength. And then they get their weight back down for fall, so they're handling that good. Uh, Just doing a good job in all facets. But the feedback I've got, the things that I've seen with my own eyes, uh, say we we can move toward that goal. And obviously, that's a lofty goal. I was thinking about this morning. I mean, every every year I've ever coached offensive line, the goal has been to be as good a group as you can make it, as they can develop in. And you know, sometimes that's been good enough for. 2,000 yard rushers or a 12 and 0 year sometimes it hasn't but it was definitely um, you know that group last year coming off that season we had you know certainly contributed to the year we had and did a lot of good things and, and almost all back which doesn't guarantee anything and that's the pitfall you run into uh, you know just because you're all back well you still got to work you still got to start from from square one and and build from there because no one cares, you know, what we did last year. It all starts, you know, fresh in the open. So. But I think they've handled everything we've thrown at them so far. And obviously, you know, we, summer's a little different for a little bit. But when we start getting focused into fall camp, these kids will be ready to rock.
1: How many offensive linemen do you feel um, are maybe ready to play in a game if called upon right now in, in your offensive line room?
0: Well, I mean we dealt with a lot of injuries up front last year. The silver lining of that is that Connor Pay started a lot of games. Now he was rotating a guard when James went down, so he was playing. But So he takes over center, gets a ton of game experience. Uh, you know, when Harris went down, wasn't good for us, but Campbell jumped in, so he gets six, seven starts. So he's proven that he can play. And then when he went down, Braden Kime at the end of the year, uh, you know, filled in admirably. We won two games with him at the spot before we got the other guys back at the bowl. So you know, we played we played eight total guys. James is gone. And now you had, you know, Kingsley into the mix and Sione Vicosa, a transfer from Arizona State into the mix. Uh, Tyler Little is one that we're still working on developing. He's had a, a great summer and has finally up to well not finally, it's pretty quickly up to weight. And not to mention, you know, the freshman which Hard to imagine that you know uh, this, but I would say one or two of those freshmen could be on the travel squad. And, and uh, but but I would say this to answer your question in years past, I've hoped that I could get to that magic number of seven or eight guys that I felt comfortable in the game, much less start. You know, now I'm looking at uh, you know, eight for sure that that I would be very comfortable if they're in the start lineup, uh, obviously. I don't think A-Rod's going to let us start in an eight lineman formation, but who knows? Maybe we'll see. But, uh, but I'm just I'm fired up that those guys are at that level, and obviously there's going to be a lot of competition and a lot of things going into camp, and it'll all it'll all sort itself out.
1: I wanted to get an update on some personnel in your room. Uh, notice on the the roster, some names missing: uh, Keanu Saliapaga, Brock Gunderson, um, Dylan Rollins. Is Isaiah Tupo, Seth Willis, what's the latest on all those guys?
0: Yeah, uh, Isaiah Tupo is, is a returned missionary and won't join us until until the winter. Uh, the other four have are, have moved on in, in different different ways, different things, uh, and, and, and just kind of what happened, you know, uh, that's kind of been the switchover of our roster the way it's worked out. But, uh, yeah.
1: Sioni Vicoso, though, you had, you mentioned him. What did you like about him when he in, entered the portal from the sounds of it? He was a guy that could have maybe been a starter for Arizona State this year.
0: Yeah, you know, he, he was recruited here however many years ago for, really wanted to come here. The numbers didn't work out. I wouldn't hear. I don't know the details. Uh, so uh, I, I went back, and of course, I, I was looking at older high school tape and just a little bit of stuff from, from Arizona State, but he's, he's, he's long, he's athletic. Uh, and, and he's got four years to play, so I think he's he's a real great addition to our roster because, like you said, he was uh, you know he was he was close to he played some. He, he was I'm not sure whether he would have been a starter or not. I'm not sure what's going on you know with that program, but we're glad he's here. I think, uh, and, and he'll have a chance to compete right off the bat. And he's got some natural ability and. And he's going to be a really good player. Once he learns the system, we'll see. But he'll be, uh, he'll be in the mix as well.
1: He joins a room, though, that, as you noted, it's pretty deep and led by guys like Blake Freeland, who's been garnering some buzz, maybe as a first-round guy next April. Uh, how, what have you seen from Blake that would suggest he's able to maybe tune out that noise and focus on the task at hand?
0: Well, we have great kids. Uh, Kalani's recruited great kids into this program um and blake is one of them he's level-headed uh you know what he understands when and and we'll see what the future holds as far as all that that's that'll all shake itself out uh you know uh, it'll unfold this year obviously or next year however that works out but he's very humble he understands you know in in o-line in the o-line world blake's just a baby He's really only in his third, really full season of playing O line. You know, he was. We all know about what he was in high school and all the positions. was here as a D line, so he knows he's got a lot to learn. Uh, I thought he made a real nice jump last year uh, on some obvious things and some not so obvious things that, that he worked on and that we worked together. And and uh, but I know he's got a bright future. But I think his his focus uh, is, I think really laser sharp on this season and i'd be shocked if he'd be ever be one i had to worry about you know being distracted from what's at hand
1: this fall do you have your starting five already in in mind going into fall camp
0: no not even not even close we'll, we'll start uh fall camp and i did i kind of mentioned this at some point before and this is what we did in the spring our first group you know the ones that trot out there and practice with jaron uh, will be any one of those eight guys, at least for a little bit. I can't do that forever. But those guys will shuffle in, they'll shuffle out. Some will just play one position. They'll rotate out. Some might play two. And uh, I'm really excited to see how it'll shake out. Uh, I know you, people can take, including me, can take a guess. But there's always a surprise in camp. Uh, there's there's always a good surprise. Someone that just had an unbelievable summer or did so much work behind the scenes with with studying tape or learning the scheme, or on the flip side, just doesn't make any mistakes. Because probably at the end of the day, what'll, what'll end up being our starting five are the guys that are in great shape, ready to go, are handling their business and know what they're doing early in camp, don't make mistakes, beat who they're supposed to be when we go against the defense and however that is. And I think those five will probably become pretty crystal clear. Now, that being said, other, whoever the odd, the odd three out have so much talent and have game experience that it may warrant a, a rotation. I've never done a big rotation in the past. Last year to start the year, you know, Joe and, and Connor rotated some at, at right guard, and then the bowl game... I had Campbell and Harris back, so I just rotated them every series because I thought that was the right thing to do. And it worked out fine for that position. This one could be more than that. Uh, especially, you know, where we're going to open the season, that part of the country, the four in the afternoon. I, I may think about that. But in order for a, a rotation to have to happen, to me, there has to be little or absolutely no drop-off between the fifth best one and the sixth, seventh, and eighth. If there's a drop-off, I'm doing the team a disservice by rotating.
1: Last couple things for you, Coach. Um, what makes Clark Barrington so special?
0: He's so unselfish. He doesn't care about like, all this buzz about some of the other things in college. He don't care about that. He cares about doing the right thing on a daily basis in his life. He cares about his family. He cares about doing a great job in school. He cares about being tough. And being the best football player that he can be, and he doesn't get caught up in the noise. And uh, he's a special. I, like I said, we got great kids. I love them all. Clark's special in that regard. He's he's super focused. He's he's just uh, you know, and he's kind of been right behind James as one of the leaders here, the vocal leaders. The and now that James has moved on, um, I think Clark, Clark and some other guys, but Clark to me. He's he's the he's the alpha male in that room in my opinion.
1: Last thing for you, um wanted to get your thoughts on some of the the newcomers, maybe where they could maybe I'm sure that they'll play a lot of different spots potentially, but guys like Talentogia, uh Vaisuifua, Peter Falonico, uh are they tackles, are they guards? What what for each of those guys, what's maybe the outlook on them where they line up?
0: Well Peter, we're gonna start out playing center and guard. He played a lot of center last year and um, You know, we need to start developing folks after Joe, Connor, whoever wins that job. But Joe's obviously a senior, and Connor's got some years. So uh, Peter's a really good football player. We'll start him off there. He'll play a little guard, too. Uh, Talon will probably start out at the tackle, along with Trevin Osler. And then, uh, you know, Vi could be a tackle. They all played tackle in, in high school, like a lot of high school kids do, but... But, I think we're going to start out at, at guard. And then that's all we – I, I try to – I don't guess at that. I try to make a logical, informed decision of where I put them. But what ends, ends up happening, and it's happened throughout my career, is when a spot opens up and someone's really maybe not a guard, but they're a tackle, and you say, well, you could stay home and not go on this trip here as a young guy. I mean. Or you could – switch to left guard or right guard and travel this week and we'll see what i mean it's pretty easy decision when it comes down to it but the good thing about those four freshmen they all had the ability to play defense i think three of the four of them played basketball in high school Um, i constantly worry about one of them maybe getting poached to play defense because they all were good defensive players Uh, but for right now the four of them they're they're, they're, they just got here and, and they look big and strong and You know, they'll go through the ups and downs of a freshman summer program uh, and then fall camp, and we'll see. Who who knows? Those guys are talented. One or two, maybe more of those guys will be possibly in the mix for the travel squad. We'll see. That's their first goal. I always say your first goal is first to acclimate to the program because high school and college are different. Second thing, your first goal, don't think about starting down the line. Think about making the travel squad. That's 10, 11, 12 deep, however that is. And then once they get that, they can worry about how they, you know, how the rest of their careers go, where they start, all that. But I, I, that's kind of where I see those four.
1: That's BYU offensive line coach Daryl Funk here on the Cougar Tracks podcast. Big thanks to Coach Funk for the extensive breakdown. That that was some good stuff, really, from from Coach Funk. I always enjoy my conversations with him. I love talking offensive line play and the personnel there. I Feel like that gave you a, a deeper deeper understanding of the personnel heading into Camp Kalani next week for BYU. That's going to do it for this edition of the Cougar Tracks podcast. I hope all of you enjoyed it as always. Uh, if If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the show on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, if you could, and we're so kind. Leave a rating, preferably five stars. I would love that a lot. That would mean a lot as the show continues to take off even more. Heading into fall camp and the season ahead. A hey, quick note too uh, Cougar Tracks on KSL News Radio begins on Monday. Yes, the morning and afternoon drive updates on Cougar Sports will be back on the legacy home of the Cougars beginning on Monday. So at, I believe, 6 a.m., 8 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m., you'll get your BYU updates from me. On KSL News Radio throughout the day on the legacy home of the Cougars. So, talk to you on Monday here on this podcast at high noon. It's always powered by KSLSports.com.
0: A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story.